WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us for Flashpoint. I'm Sarah French filling in for Ben Thompson. Today we have a special show for you focused on mental health. According to a recent study by the CDC, about 20% of U.S. adults received mental health treatment last year. About 16% of adults took prescription medication for their mental health. 10% received counseling or therapy, and women were more likely than men to receive treatment at all. That's consistent with the higher prevalence of conditions seen among women, such as anxiety and depression, as well as an increased willingness to seek out care. And while the holidays can be a lot of fun, they can also be stressful for many. That's why this week we want to help give you resources if you need help. Joining us now is Jaron Doby, a therapist at Novant Health Psychiatric Associates. Thanks so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So talk about how the pandemic has really changed the mental health field. Right, in relation to the pandemic, it has been taken in as, of course, an event that folks have never experienced before, especially in recent history. Um, with the changes and socializing and social distancing and things of that nature. Families, both children and adults, have had to make a lot of adjustments. And this is something that can weigh on people very differently. Are you seeing more patients since the pandemic? Uh, we have seen an increase of patients. A uh, good thing about it is, is that the Generation Zers are reporting uh, more mental health related problems and a lot of them are also seeking more help. So, you know, it is a good thing that folks are actually letting these things be known instead of keeping them to themselves and are actively being able to seek treatment. So let's talk about kids for a bit. Uh, we had a few instances of teens dying by suicide, one just last week at school. How can we help our children who are struggling right now? Right. Um, with those unfortunate events that are occurring, it is very important that parents, teachers, mentors, friends, family members alike, uh, we all pitch in together to be able to help one another. If you're recognizing any kind of behavioral uh, or emotional changes, make sure that you actually tap in and communicate with the person or a young child um, or teen about these things. Um, it's important to be able to communicate, right, what it is that they may be experiencing in some way and being very much so aware of their communication style. But if there's anything that you are noticing that is different, um, it's better safe than sorry to be able to acknowledge that and see if there's any other assistance that is needed at that time. What do you think those main signs and symptoms that you're like, yes, if you see that, get help mm -hmm. for your child or yourself? Gotcha. Um, it can be th from the most basic to the most broad things. Pay attention to changes in sleep uh, uh, schedule at all. Um, also, changes in appetite, uh, changes in energy level or mood. Um, if there are anything that is being give away, given away or extensive amounts of time that are uh, spent being able to do certain things, all of these things can seriously make a difference. But literally, when it comes down to, to these kind of uh, changes within a person, literally just look for the change, whether it's too far wrong or too far right. It's never wrong to be able to step up and, and ask if anyone is in need of any other help or just needs to talk about anything. In the news, you know, we see kids that are bullied at school. Obviously, social media doesn't help. What's your advice uh, for parents talking to students? What can students do at school um, so another peer, another child doesn't feel bullied or isolated? Mm -hmm. In relation to, to children at school, it is important to be able to identify the resources that are available to you within the school setting. 
Um, know who your, your school counselors are, your school social workers, guidance counselors, administrators, uh, even being able to create allies with teachers or organizations, peers within the school setting also. If there's anything that you've been told about uh, that you're very much so aware of in relation to someone possibly being hurt or considering being able to hurt themselves, um, it, it is very much so important, and I can't stress this enough, to be able to make sure that someone is made aware of this. Um, it could save a life. So please take an opportunity, both students, teachers, anyone within the sound of my voice, to be able to step up, stand together, and speak up. And how do you approach that topic if you have a loved one or a friend that you think needs help? Mm -hmm. um, and, and being able to address this topic, it really does depend on who it is that you're speaking with. Um, if you know their communication style, make sure that you lean into that area. You're more than likely to get more bang for your buck in that way. Um, just being able to step up and ask ultimately if there's anything that it is that they would like to talk about or any changes that you've been able to recognize. You know, sometimes you will be able to get, you know, some responses out of these things, but there are those likelihoods where you won't, right? And things will be kind of brushed under the rug. That does not mean do not follow up. That does not mean to ignore it or that there really is not an issue. Um, sometimes folks just don't want to address these things. So it is just important to make sure that you continue to identify yourself as a resource, but also make sure that other supports are identified in the event that someone would like to follow up with them. Jaron, let me ask you this. What made you want to become a therapist and what do you love about your job? Uh, gosh, this, this is a, a, a great question that I love to answer. Um, I've always been very, very passionate um, just about helping other people. I'm a native of Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, have great, great pride in where it is that I'm from and how it is that I've grown up. Um, seen a lot, been through a lot. And I've always told myself that if I ever had the opportunity to be able to help someone, even if it's just one person, that I would align myself in some way to be able to do that. Um, and in my career, I've been very, very fortunate to be able to, to help a lot of people, but they have also helped me. Um, being able to acknowledge the mental health in communities uh, across the globe, uh, whether it is in the black community, white, Latino, Asian communities, um, all the communities um, has been something that I've been very passionate about for many, many years. Um, and it's something that I will continue to do um, to serve others in order to help them in any way that I can. Even if it's just one, it's more than none. Well, Jaron, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much for all that you do. I know you're helping a lot of people out there. Thank you very much. And again, thank you all for having me. Thank you. Last weekend, hundreds mourned the loss of a Mooresville teen who died by suicide. Crowds gathered at the celebration of life for 17-year-old Mooresville high school student Mario Nathan Lopez. Loved ones spoke with WCNC Charlotte's Shamaria Morrison and shared their message for teens and their parents. There wasn't an empty seat at Mooresville High Joe Pop Stadium on Sunday. There was a line to get in and honor the life of Mario Nathan Lopez. His friends took the stage sharing their love for Nathan. And all through our childhood years, you've shown me what it's like to laugh as hard as I ever could and love everyone around me. His mom, Ashley Lopez, was surrounded by happy memories. People flying from Mexico. We have people that have driven in from Texas. Here's one right here, Aaliyah. She grew up with him, drove straight Madison. She drove from Georgia. One of his childhood friends said Nathan had a big impact on the people around him. 
he was always somebody you could go to talk to, and he cared about everybody else more than he probably did about himself. Hunter Jones says his best friend struggled sometimes. He had really bad social anxiety, and then through meeting me and some of my friends and some of his old friends, and we all got together and made a friend group and everything. The celebration of life included discussion about suicide prevention awareness and asking for help when you need it. That was my whole goal, to at least save one more, you know. He was ready to go, but we might be able to save one more. Say one more mom, uncle, friend from feeling the hurt here today. Like I told her, you're being held up by the community today. Yeah, absolutely. And that's yeah. what I have, and that's what I need, and that's why I'm standing today. And that's why I'm standing here today. Support that's much needed with another life lost too soon to suicide. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for people 10 to 34 years old. This weekend, Lopez's family passed out cards with a list of resources for anyone needing help. They wanted us to share it with you as well. If you or a loved one are facing thoughts of suicide or self-harm, there is help. You can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. More Flashpoint coming up after the break. Joining us now is Christy Baker, the Director of Development with Hope Haven here in Charlotte. Uh, Christy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much for having us. So first off, for those who aren't familiar with Hope Haven, tell us what the organization does. Sure. Hope Haven is a therapeutic community that provides a foundation of recovery for individuals and families who are impacted by substance use disorder so that they can build healthy, independent lives. Therapeutic communities are actually a national best practice for the treatment of substance use disorder, and our program includes um, substance abuse counseling, job readiness training, um, and then assistance with um, job placement and permanent housing after graduation. So talk about the difference between substance use disorder and then when people just say substance abuse. Is it the same thing? It's basically the same thing, yes. So the primary thing you all do is recovery work for substance use disorder, but many people you serve also have mental health issues. How do these two struggles go hand in hand? Absolutely. Um, about half of people with mental illness in their lifetime will also experience a substance use disorder and vice versa. And the overlap is especially noticeable in people with severe mental health issues. Um, but a lot of the times it's really um, a chicken or the egg kind of situation with substance use disorder and mental illness. Each can contribute to the development of the other. Um, genetics can also play a role in someone's predisposition for the development of substance use disorder or mental health issues. Um, and it's estimated that between 40 and 60% of substance use disorders are attributable to genetics. Um, environmental issues can also um, play a role in increased risk for substance use disorder and mental health issues. Um, and those kind of things include uh, chronic stress, trauma, and adverse childhood experiences. And for that reason, our staff here at Hope Haven is specially trained in trauma-informed care. Do you find the holidays are harder for people when it comes to substance use and mental health? Definitely. You know, I think we all can agree that the holiday season um, is especially stressful time of year, um, but the pandemic has really increased the associated um, isolation 
um, that is a major trigger for people with substance use disorder and mental health issues. Um, people who are in treatment desperately need community. So not being able to attend meetings, um, things like that can be very, very dangerous for their recovery. Um, the CDC actually reported a 29.3% increase in overdoses in the past year over the course of the mm -hmm. pandemic. That's more than 100,000 people um, dying a year, about one person every five minutes. Um, and unbelievably, that's three times the number of people um, who die from car crashes and two times the number of people um, that die from gun-related deaths. So when do you know, like, it's time to go seek professional help for a loved one or even for yourself? Right. Um, when you find that um, your use of substances or um, or your feelings of you know, hopelessness or despair are starting to really impact your day-to-day -day life, that's really the time that you need to seek some help and some support. And where can people go to get more information if they do wanna learn about Hope Haven, if they have a loved one, they just wanna get more info? Sure, they can visit our website, which is hopehaveninc.org, um, or they can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, and Twitter. All right, Christy, thank you so much. We appreciate your time and thank you for everything that you do in our community. Great, thank you so much for having me. Yep. More Flashpoint after the break. Joining us now is Dr. Robert Matlack, the creator of Best Day Psychiatry and Counseling. Doctor, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So people have been suffering in a variety of ways during the last year and a half. What trends have you been seeing when it comes to mental health with people lately? Well, there have been a lot of changes, you know, a change, sometimes things happen. Uh, I've seen a lot of depression at times. I've seen an increase in anxiety. Um, if you had to ask, those are probably the two that I see the most. Um, and both of them can be pretty rough sometimes. Have you seen them more since the pandemic? I probably have to say, yeah. I mean, I, I'm seeing, you know, depression really go up to the point where we're having many more people come in for it. Um, and I've even seen some clients, you know, seem like they're not doing as good as they used to. Okay. So I think I'd have to say, yeah, I probably am. So how can people realize when they actually need to go out and seek help? For example, when does someone go from just being a little nervous to having a real issue with anxiety and needing to seek a professional? Well, you know, anxiety is very normal. A little sadness sometimes is very normal. What I tend to look at are, you know, is it really affecting them much? Like, is it starting to take over their life a little bit? Is it interfering with things that they usually like to do or um, things such as, you know, schoolwork or just regular work or even just leisure activities? Are they losing interest in things they like to do? Um, just if you're seeing a big change in who they are, that's when you probably want to contact somebody. Let me ask you this. I had a friend whose husband died by suicide, and she said he told her, well, I would never be brave enough to do that, or I'm a coward. And so she thought he would never do that, but he ultimately did. What are those signs that we need to be looking out for to help a loved one? Well, if, if you really see, you know, there's several things you consider. One thing is you start seeing them isolate a little bit more. You know, if they're really kind of just keeping themselves themselves like they aren't usually, they're not really communicating as much. Uh, sometimes you, you actually see where someone just starts putting their affairs in order, um, which sometimes can be a warning sign, believe it or not. Um, but just, you know, if the depression is like it's taking them over and um, it's just it's just not good, and that's usually a time you want to get some help. And even if they start talking about it, that's, that's you know, that people can talk about it, but at the same time, you know, if it seems like it's really starting to take a different tone, yeah, it's a good idea to call somebody. 
So what advice do you have for people as we head into this holiday season? Well, you know, there's going to be good, there's going to be bad with many things, you know. Um, with humans, we tend to take the good with the bad, and usually, you know, we do okay. Um, but just remember, it's something to where you want to take care of yourself, take care of those around you. Be good to yourself when you can. Realize there's going to be stressors, but there's probably going to be some good times too here and there. So just kind of take the good with the bad and be good to yourself when you can. So if you know someone who is struggling with mental health, how can we help and support them? What should we be doing? I think just, you know, sometimes even just listening to them or sitting and having somebody they can talk to. You know, friends, family, loved ones, a lot of times just having somebody around to talk to being good. But if, again, if it does go up a notch, contact your primary care doctor or, you know, your local psychiatrist or your therapist because there's things that can be done and they usually work out pretty good. All right, doctor, thank you so much for talking with us today about mental health. It's so important and we appreciate everything that you do. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. We'll have more Flashpoint after the break. Coach Lamont has lived in Charlotte for nearly 10 years. He's a staple on our air, but behind the scenes, Coach Lamont has been struggling, and he wants you to know mental health is something we can all talk about, and you're not alone. This is Coach Lamont reminding you to have your best U-Day. We all know Coach Lamont from his U-Day segments. There are people that need encouragement. There are people who need hope that do not have it. He said he always knew he wanted to be on TV. My mom, she worked for WXYZ as an ABC affiliate. But life for Lamont Odoms hasn't been easy, especially this past year. You're giving encouragement to others at the same time you were struggling. You have this motivational guy who seems confident. We all need someone. I wasn't listening to what was coming out of my mouth or what I was writing. And here I found myself about to end everything. A phone call at just the right time from his mother stopped him. And my mom said, you know what? I need you to come to Texas. My mom lives in Texas. She says, I need you to come buy a one-way ticket and put everything on hold. Once I got there and once I started working with a therapy group there. Mm -hmm. Things started clicking and I started to tap into that healing. For so many years, Sarah, I was stuck in the little boy. At the age of five, Lamont was sexually abused by a male relative. It really transitioned into anger and depression. The abuse continued and Lamont carried that with him in the years after. His first year in Charlotte, while on television, his family was homeless. And I perfected wearing this mask. When the cameras came on, I was smiling, upbeat, I'm like, yeah, you can do this, you can do this. When the cameras were off, I would get in the car and I would literally break down crying. This wasn't the first time Coach Lamont struggled with thoughts of suicide. I would say it, it really hit in 1991 and I was literally in the hospital. I just knew then that though I didn't die and I knew I wanted to die, I knew that this wasn't the end of my pain. And you still didn't try to seek out help? Still didn't. Why? Because we really weren't talking about mental illness. And the stigma of sitting down with a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist, you were quickly labeled. You were just called crazy. And unfortunately, that prevented so many people from seeking help. 
And that's one of the reasons why I became a coach, because I wanted to tell people advice that I wish that someone would have told me. Coach Lamont says he's in a good place now and getting the help he needed for so long. Knowing that what I was dealing with all these years was being bipolar. And I believe so many people are scared of coming forward when they're dealing with some type of mental illness because they don't want to be labeled and they don't want to experience shame and embarrassment. I literally see myself on the other side of the camera with everybody else. And I'm speaking to Lamont now when before I was ignoring him, but now I hear him. And because I hear him, his voice is ringing back to me and it's constantly reminding me that we can do this. We want to thank Coach Lamont for opening up and being so vulnerable and sharing his story. If you or a loved one are facing thoughts of suicide or self-harm, there is help readily available. You can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. It is staffed 24-7. Thank you so much for joining us for this special edition of Flashpoint. Ben will be back next week. Have a great weekend.